Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast, a series of discussions with the most disruptive CEOs and leaders in digital health. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with our great host, Steve Krupa. Hey, Steve. Hi, how are you? Doing great, doing great. So according to uh, you in the, today's podcast, you, you've been looking into interoperability since you were a little kid. That's what yes. you said. So Is that true? Yes, a small child. So baby Steve was out there <laughs> looking at well, this very vexing problem. Certainly since the passage of the High Tech Act, right? Because, you know, um, that was like one of this, this incredible things where you say, well, can the government pick winners and losers? Well, yes, it can. So... EMR penetration was in the 20%-ish range with hospitals when that got passed, and it's probably north of 75% today. And, uh, you know, everybody says, how do I get my hands on that EMR data? It's probably really valuable, and I'd like to do some analysis on it. Um, and a lot of those, those architectures don't make it easy. So it's been, it's, been, it's been a challenge. And, of course, if you're the EMR vendor, and I'll not name names, it's sort of like, well, this is a revenue opportunity for me to – provide access into my data. Um, and so the battle begins. Our buddy Andy Slavitt at CMS is trying to, uh, has been trying to push them to do the right thing for a while. And I think, uh, I think you know, they're starting to. And, and you get into that in a bit today with our guest, uh, Jeremy Perotti, CEO and founder of Sansoro. Uh, their product is Emissary. What was your uh, takeaway from the conversation? You know, uh, essentially they're providing the, providing tools uh, so that they can, they can provide a sure thing connection to an EMR on one side of sort of the, the contract, if you will, contract being the ability to read and write from the EMR under certain terms. And, um, and so they're saying, you know, on our side, we'll get you to the right spot in the, in the EMR. Um, we'll take care of that piece. You know, you take care of the piece on your application in terms of how you want to you use that data uh, to perform whatever service you want to try to perform for the member or for the physician or for the nurse or whatever you're doing. And it's, uh, it's, you know, that, that sort of bulletproof um, connection to an application, particularly a, a, a monolithic a, a legacy-type application like these EMRs are, is very valuable because they're notoriously difficult to connect to. When they get upgraded and they get changed, sometimes those data elements flip, and there's an expense to go in and fix all that, that good stuff. So if they're going to provide that, that assurance that's a va- that's a very valuable product for their customers. Terrific. Well, let's uh, let's get into this conversation with Jeremy Pirotti, CEO and founder of Sansoro. Welcome to the Breaking Health Podcast. I'm here with Jeremy Pirotti uh, from Sansoro, founder and CEO. Welcome to the podcast, Jeremy. Hi. Thanks for having me. So. Uh, you know, the funny thing about this uh, discussion that we're about to have is, I, you know, I've been looking at interoperability since I was a little kid, basically, when I started in the venture business. And uh, it's something that uh, that nobody's ever really been happy about. So we can talk about that in a few minutes. But before we get, you know, into your business and the solutions that you're building, um, I'd love to know uh, what was the inspiration for starting Sensoro? Um, was it something that you saw 10 years ago and finally realized that the time was right or was it sort of uh, some sort of uh, um, sudden uh, desire to go and become an entrepreneur and put your whole life at risk for an idea? <laughs> well, I had been an entrepreneur before starting Sensoro, but the idea 
I cannot claim credit for the idea. I can only claim credit for jumping on what was at that time a small bandwagon um, early. My friend and someone I had done a little bit of business with, uh, Dave Levin, who is a family physician by training, and um, at the time that the idea presented itself, Dave was working as the CMIO at the Cleveland Clinic. And Dave called me and he said, I have talked to a couple of technical geniuses who had this idea for an EMR agnostic bi-directional web services middleware platform. What do you think? And I said, well, that's a mouthful, Dave, uh, but we could change health IT. I understand what you're saying and we could change health IT. Let's talk. I had been working for, I had spent at that point, this was four years ago, I had spent, or three and a half years ago, and I had spent about 10 years of my life at that, to that point leading large-scale electronic medical record implementations. And I knew how hard the integration challenge was between third-party applications and these massive EMR platforms like Cerner and Epic and Meditech, et cetera, when a, when a health system would implement the new electronic medical record. So those teams always had the smartest people on them, but those were really big problems to solve. And so the part of the project that was always at risk was the integration mm -hmm. uh, stream. So I was really excited by this. I was working as the CIO of Lidos Health at the time, and we were implementing all sorts of new technologies that used APIs for data exchange between applications. So I knew what kind of power that brought to being able to bring the right information at the right time to the right person on the right device. And I said to Dave, I, I'm not sure I really believe that you've met technical geniuses who could pull this off. He said, no, 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 I, uh, one of them used to be on my team at the clinic and this other guy I've gotten to know. Um, so we agreed we'd meet at HIMSS and talk about it further. And uh, we did. And then uh, over the course of the next few months, um, the team of us pulled the company together. Uh, and it, uh, it's been a great ride ever since. So we're coming up on three years of formal, formally operating as a company. Um, and I was just, uh, I joke that I brought no tangible skills to the table. Um, I, yeah, I'm a recovering healthcare consultant. Right. That's why you're the CEO, because you can't do anything, really. <laughs> I, that's exactly right. I showed that I knew how to move the PowerPoint slides both forward and backward. Right. And that's how I got appointed. When I left the room at an inopportune moment, I got voted in as CEO. Yeah, I love that. It's sort of like, who is the CEO? Well, the guy who has trouble getting a WebEx started. Let's make him the CEO because he can't do right. anything else. <laughs> that, that's, that's right. So I, you know, what I, what I love with my co-founders, though, is we have that each of us has been working in healthcare for decades in healthcare IT for decades. And so in Dave's background as a physician leader, John Orozco, our CTO, who um, spent the first part of his career working at Cerner and then doing integration consulting on his own for some of the biggest health systems across the country and some of the most prominent digital health vendors. Um, Mike Pedig, who uh, is like me, uh, a recovering healthcare consultant, management consultant, and Mike led large-scale EMR implementations as well. So. That's the background that we bring, a deep understanding of the challenges that providers face um, on the technology side, but just as much on the business and clinical 
uh, strategies that they're trying to execute on. So before we get into APIs, which I love that, but we can talk about that and we can unpack technical things on this uh, this podcast as well. A lot of the listeners will, will understand what we're talking about. I want to just talk about the EMRs because generally speaking in, in sort of a these are monoliths, right? For the most part, they're they're generally single applications and single databases that are controlled, for the most part, by their uh, their development companies, whether it be Epic, Meditech, Cerner. Um, is that a fair statement? And so they sort of control how the data gets brought, how the data is uh, delivered across the application, and uh, an owner of these systems is sort of reliant on them to be continuously changing their data model or improving their data model based on the modern needs for the system. Is that a fair statement? I would say that's a fair statement, absolutely. And what the EMR vendors have done is they have left some they have left some windows open for their customers to use uh, for the purposes of bringing data in and out of those centralized databases. So the, the centralized database is really valuable in a lot of ways. Um, it also can be limiting um, if you don't know how to get data in and out. And what we seek to do is to be the champion of health IT leaders in leveraging and exploiting all of the value that they can get out of their EMR investment. And our, our application fundamentally uses those windows that the EMR customers may not know exist, but uses those windows to enable them to exchange data on a real-time basis with the production transactional database that the users are interacting with every minute of every day, get data in and out so that as they're bringing in third-party messaging applications, as they're looking to drive down labor costs by implementing electronic prior authorization or electronic chart retrieval, that they can incorporate those third-party applications into their digital ecosystem and improve the value of and the quality of care delivery and all of those ancillary processes. So in the, um, in the contents of, context of having some experience with this, it, it had often been the case that if a customer, call it hosp- uh, a hospital that might be running uh, one of these, uh, these EMR systems, wanted to integrate a third-party application to the EMR. They essentially had to put in a feature enhancement request or some other type of uh, request with the vendor and say, can you build me an integration to application X? Right. And, That's uh, right. And then, and then the vendor would look at it and say, well, nobody else wants this. We've got a bunch of other demands on our product managers and developers when we see greater demand in the marketplace, we'll build it for you. Um, and the, basically, the hospital would be would have two choices: either let the project die or build the integration themselves. Usually, they would they would end up not building the integration themselves. Is that a a fair sort of assessment of where the market ends up for a lot of hospitals? Yes, I think it is. Or they might build an integration that accomplishes. 20 to 50% of what they actually hoped to get. And so they end up, they end up with something that sort of works, but doesn't work all that well. I mean, I can give you an example. I was running an EMR integration for a large Midwestern health system that was putting in, uh, that was putting in Epic as their main EMR, but 
they had a growing, thriving home care and hospice business, and Epic at the time did not offer a home care or hospice EMR application. And so they put in another application. But there was no data exchange between Epic and the home care and hospice EMR. So we had to construct a seven-step nightly routine for getting, and it was pretty creative, and I'm still pretty proud of what we figured out, but a seven-step nightly routine for exchanging just basic data and basic notes so that the home care and hospice nurses didn't have to be driving around the whole metro area carrying bags worth of paper charts with faxed discharge summaries and op reports. And it required an enormous amount of investment of time and creativity. And it got about 30 or 40% of what they really needed, uh, but not nearly all the way. So in a, in a modern world, and by the way, in virtually every other industry, the, the situation is not that the customer has to go to their vendor and ask them to build an enhancement in order to enable integration with another uh, another system. They just simply tap into, the, either they tap directly into the database of their primary ERP, or they tap into an API layer that their vendor has made available precisely because in almost every other industry, the expectation is no one software application is going to solve all your needs. And if you can't integrate this data, you're not going to be competitive. And so in order to make you competitive as a business, we, your software vendor, are going to give you the tools that you need in order to exchange data across your platforms. And that's where we need to get to in healthcare. That's why we created Sensoro to unleash the power and the value of the enormous investments that healthcare providers have made in their EMR platforms. And we're really excited about yeah. um, what we're delivering to the market. So there's a, there's a lot of places I could take this, but let me, let me start here. Um, are the EMR, I mean, obviously you have to be able to communicate in what I would describe as a supported way. Well, let me take that back. If you're writing to the application, you have to be able to write in a supported way. Um, so is are the EMR vendors providing the capability for you to write? Because you can extract data and use it someplace else as long as you're not writing back. You're really not affecting the uh, the state of the application. But as soon as you start writing to it, you're going to change the state of that application. So you've got to sort of write it within the standards of the of the of the software development company, Epic et al. Are they publishing APIs for you to write to that are are usable? Um, what is the current you know sort of state of state of play there with the vendors? I would feel free to disagree with anything I just said. Also, no, no, no. Um, so, uh, uh, our software architecture leverages supported methods for exchanging data. The APIs that are published by the different EMR vendors are of a better or worse quality depending on the specific API and depending on the specific EMR platform. Um, so there's no commonality. I couldn't say that 
Cerners are better across the board than Epics or vice versa or whatever. But um, what we generally find is that those APIs that are published have been written for a pretty specific use case and therefore are pretty narrowly tailored. And if what you're trying to do is read data from or write data to the EMR for any other particular workflow, those existing APIs aren't much value, don't provide a whole lot of value. So um, we, so we use a different approach. Um, we use a supported mechanisms. These are, we use modules that the EMR vendors have licensed to their customers for exchanging data. Um, we just happen to, we build our own set of APIs and we don't rely on the published public APIs that the EMR vendors have, um, uh, have publicized themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I think about uh, modern software architecture, so, you know, there was service-oriented architecture, which exists on a lot of applications that are doing a really good job out there, and customers are buying them. But if you were going to build an EMR from scratch today, you'd probably build it on some sort of a microservices platform that would really use APIs as a connecting infrastructure for individual software services that, that you'd be accessing and that it may or may not have, um, you know, operational, common operational database, probably would have a common data warehouse or some reporting database, but there would be, you know, these applications or these services sort of strung together through, through uh, API contracts um, throughout the application. I think that's the way you'd probably build it. That's the way the, the modern websites are running and, and most of the stuff that we're looking at that are being started yep. uh, look a lot like that. Are you trying to sort of create an, an environment where you can leverage that type of scalability through APIs where one of the services just happens to be a big monolithic EMR? Is that what you're doing? Yes, we are. So we don't, we don't necessarily classify our web services as microservices. But they are, we classify them, we describe them as very flexible services that are designed to accommodate many different workflows and that allow you as a third-party application vendor to easily tie your application, its functionality, its workflows into the EMR, which is the system of record for providers these days. They, the providers, even when they are using an external lab system or an external radiology system, the system of record is the EMR database. All of that data from ancillary systems eventually flows into the EMR. So in that respect, it's nice because for this, for our first generation of product, which is in production and, and working beautifully at our customers, it's it's communicating with the, the EMR database. If you were creating a new EMR from scratch, to your point, would you create today a, a gigantic cache database? Maybe not. Um, uh, would you create a, a giant Oracle database? Maybe not. Um, but uh, that's what we've got. That's what's deployed um, in health systems across the country. And so what we do is we take that gigantic database and we 
break it down and say to a third-party application vendor that has a great electronic prior authorization module, we say to them, hey, look, you can easily monitor for orders of a particular type so that once you see that order, you can then reach in, have the patient demographic information, including the insurance information, and you can send that through your adjudication process so that four times four times out of five, no human needs to intervene in getting a prior authorization approved for that imaging order. Mm-hmm. That's the way it should work, right? Yeah. We should not need rooms full of agents who are printing out and faxing material from an electronic medical record to another room full of agents at a payer that are getting those faxes and plowing through them and being the notes or looking for diagnosis codes and then are keying back into some system the approval and having that approval then faxed back to the provider, right? But that's, that happens. So that's, that's where the opportunity of breaking down those, those big databases into targeted services that, that the benefit I mean, the product is an API layer. The benefit is, hey, we can devote our precious labor resources in healthcare to where they matter most, and we can deliver much faster value to patients and providers and payers. We're going to take a quick break from this conversation to remind you to register for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. It's happening on November 30th in Boston. Go to healthag.com. That is the word health, followed by the letters egy.com to register for this event. It does sell out. It has sold out. It likely will sell out. So make sure we're not shutting you out. So go to healthag.com and register. So we'll see you in Boston on November 30th. Now back to this conversation. So it, it seems to me that that this is clearly a, a problem that a lot of people have wanted to solve, right? This is the problem itself has been around for a while. You've been able to develop a solution probably because there's been so much technology work done on in APIs and how to scale them basically, right? That's always been one of the questions. How do you scale this type of an architecture? I think that problem is, is getting solved better and better every day. Um, so when you go out and do this, you clearly have to be, you know, expert, in a number of EMRs, you know, to be an ec- expert in communicating with a number of different styles of APIs, and then you're going to be asked to connect to a number of different applications. And the first question that comes to mind is, how do you scale a business with that number of vari- variables in it? What is is there a, is there a particular technology solution that you guys have uncovered that helps you do that? Yeah, so. The first thing we've done as a company is we have deliberately decided to stay focused. And the first part of that focus is focusing on the major EMR platform. Um, I, some, at some point in the last year, I saw some report that indicated that 50% of the nation's physicians are using an EMR that has less than 1% market share. So there's a really long tail of EMR vendors out there, we're not chasing that long tail. We support right now Cerner, Epic, Meditech, and all Scripps Touchworks 
and we are building support for Athena Health. And, and we'll have that done by the end of the summer. We deliberately chose those platforms because they have enormous user bases and because those, the customers that are most keenly interested in solving their data exchange, data uh, integration problems are big customers that are on those platforms. And then the second thing that we did was with that fairly narrow focus of those five EMRs, to this point, five EMRs, we put together an engineering team that had deep domain expertise in each one of those. And then we created a unified data model. So I'm not that clinical. So I use really simple clinical examples here. Um, uh, in Meditech, it's my understanding that a physician's comments on a patient's allergy can be stored in a couple of different locations in the Meditech EMR. In Epic, they're always stored in one particular place. In Cerner, they're always stored in one particular place. So in our unified data model, we need to make sure that the, the application that's requesting that data, the, the physician comment on the patient's allergy, the patient's allergic reaction, that always has to be returned in the same place, in the same structure to a, an application that's connecting. So let's say it's a population health module or whether it's a patient engagement module or a mobile application for a, for a physician. So what we've done is we've created this simple unified data model that always returns the, the physician comment in the same place. Our software emissary does the work of checking in those couple of different places in Meditech where that, that comment might reside. And then we just make sure we always bring it back and show it to the requesting application in, in a consistent place. And that's our secret sauce. Mm -hmm. It's the hard work of going EMR by EMR, data element by data element, and understanding with all the different variables and all the different workflows, where might you find this data so that we can always represent it back in a consistent way. What that allows is really exciting. It sounds so, so geeky, but it's really exciting because what that allows is for those innovative application developers they don't have to spend time figuring out the Epic data model and the Cerner data model and the Allscripts data model and the Meditech data model. All they need to understand is, hey, here's an API. No matter what EMR I'm connecting to that Tensoro supports, I will always get this data back in the same way. And if I want to push a physician note into the EMR or I want to push uh, an observation, a vital sign recording into the EMR, there's only one API that I need to call, and my, my interaction with the emissary API software will always be consistent, regardless of the EMR. That allows innovative technology companies to focus on where their true strengths are, creating better workflows, creating elegant mobile applications, removing tedious labor that, that can be automated, to drive down costs for payers and providers alike. That's what's exciting to us is that we, we, we are able to champion the work that people really want to do by removing the tedious integration work that they have for the last 20 or 30 years had to struggle with in order to make their new applications useful. 
Very cool. Very cool. So it's essentially, if I counted correctly, today there are six sort of paths on one side, and then there's a common path on the other, which is yours. You got it. And so you're 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 just saying, okay, we're going to go down this, and then I'm assuming that you're you have the responsibility then of maintaining that continuity, you know, as these vendors release new versions of their databases or their software, right? So they may, they may change. Exactly. And that's, and that's the value we bring to, to our digital health vendor partners, because we say to them, you don't have to worry about keeping up with any changes that Cerner might be making or that Meditech might be making. Leave that to us. There's no reason why every digital health vendor in the country or the world should have to have a team doing the same work as their competitors and as their collaborators are doing, monitoring changes to the EMR structure so that they understand how to exchange, how to keep up with the, with, with the changes. Let us do that. And you focus on what you're really great at, real-time analytics, clinical surveillance, um, automating chart polls, uh, um, a better patient engagement experience on their mobile app. Uh, all of those things that we desperately need will handle the complexities of the data integration for you. So who, who effectively be, becomes your, your customer? Is it the hospital IT department? Is it, is it the digital health vendor? Is it both? It's How do both. You, it's both. It's okay. both. Yeah. So we have, yeah, so we have hospital, uh, we have health systems that, license our software because those IT leaders, CIOs, CMIOs, VPs of applications, they look at the amount of effort that goes into integrating other applications and they say, you know what, if we implement emissary, then what we can tell our other vendors, software vendors is, you want data from our EMR, here's an API that you can use. That's how you do it. I no longer have to take a couple of FTEs on my integration team and a project manager and map out a six to nine month integration project. All I have to do is say to you, the software vendor, here's a set of APIs, go to it. And that's enormously attractive as CIOs face budget constraints and the need to do more with less. And because they're getting requests every day from their customers in the health system, from physicians, from billing departments, um, from care management departments, they're getting to implement new technology to advance the, those functions. Now the CIO can say yes instead of no, right? There are all, yeah. I, I grew up in the era where there were all these governance processes that were set up in health systems, and they were set up for very good reasons, but the customers often viewed those governance processes as mechanisms to find a polite way of saying, no, we're not going to do this. Now we allow the CIOs, um, we want to be their champions and allow them to say yes. Um, and this is how you can do it safely and quickly and without firing uh, an enormous investment of time uh, from our from our scarce IT resources. Sure. And then, and then do you then, are you then able to charge the vendor a, a fee or is it just sort of a setup cost? How does that work? I, our licensing models um, uh, often uh, are set up so that we have some kind of license with with the vendor, even if we have an enterprise license, even if the health system has an enterprise license. So we talk about it sort of in the same terms that uh, uh, 
I, I, I liken it to Microsoft SQL Server, right? Mm. Um, the health system might have a SQL Server enterprise license that's paying for its user licenses for that, but a vendor that is developing software on top of SQL Server, they're going to have their own license with Microsoft. They're going to have a development license with Microsoft. So fairly standard software licensing model in that respect. But we also, to your earlier question, we have a, we have a large and growing number of uh, health IT vendors, digital health vendors, who are our customers, and they license our software on an OEM basis. So it's a, it's sort of an Intel inside model right. where they're licensing our software, they use our software, they bring it to their customers, um, and their customers, the, the hospital or the clinic, doesn't have to have independently a license from us. So the, the digital health vendor just embeds our software within theirs, and that makes it really easy because for the digital health vendor, they're saying to the health system, you know what? A year ago, I would have said to you, we're going to need a thousand hours worth of staff time from your interface team to develop 12 interfaces. And by the way, we have four extracts we're going to need also. So we'll need your reporting team to develop those extracts. So from the time we kick off the project to the time we go live, it's probably nine months. Now that vendor goes to the health system and says, you can do it that way if you want, but we've incorporated Sensoro's emissary platform um, into our software. And instead of 12 interfaces and four extracts, we're going to apply a configuration to your EMR. We're going to work with you. Your, your DBAs will do that. And then all we need to do is set up a VPN and establish web services connectivity with your web services module that you've already licensed from your EMR vendor. That's a 40-hour effort start to finish. And we can be live within two or three months instead of nine to 12 months. And not surprisingly, I'm, I'm using one particular customer of ours as an example here, not surprisingly, every single prospect of theirs who has been presented with that choice um, since they started using us, every single prospect has opted to use Emissary as the integration platform instead of um, the, the more traditional HL7 interfaces and batch extracts. Very cool. Well, listen, I'm, I'm looking at the time. We've got we've, we've taken ourselves pretty far, actually. Um, so how, how so you, you raised some money with Bain, so things are good, right? You got you got you got cash in the bank, and you're moving forward. Um, yeah, any we, any we, data we you'd like happy. to share about the business? Number of hospitals, number of applications, anything like that? Um, we're at about uh, you know we're we're growing every quarter. Um, we had a, we had a good second quarter. Um, I think when we announced the the raise, we said we were at about 20 customers, and um, we've grown since then. Um, and uh, we're hiring. Um, uh, we're hiring on the sales side and on the marketing side and on the engineering side. So we're we're very pleased. We've got some very exciting partnerships um, that we're cooking and um, and that we'll be announcing um, within the next quarter or two. Uh, so. Really pleased, and and Bain Capital Ventures is an outstanding partner to have. They know healthcare inside and out, and they 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 had such great experience with enterprise software. Yeah, they're good guys. They're good guys. So, just as a closing question, um, how how can people find out about you? I know you've got a website, you've got some blogs. Are you a, do you have a are you tweeting 
Facebook? Where, where's yeah, where's all the yeah, information? Absolutely. All of the above. Uh, um, follow us on Twitter at, at Sensoro Health. Our website is sensorohealth.com. Uh, so not hard to not hard to find us out there. And um, we, our chief medical officer in particular, uh, Dave Levin, speaks at conferences frequently. Um, I should know what his next one is, but I can't uh, off the top of my head. But that's on our events page, and on our website. And um, we're based in Minneapolis, so um, we've which is a great as as you know, it's a center of healthcare technology um, in in many respects, right? A great university, uh, uh, really well respected um, uh, healthcare providers, large systems. Uh, uh, the small company called United Health Group is yeah. uh, down the street. So, um, and obviously, uh, the the medical technology business, Medtronic and St. Jude, and so many others here. So we're we're in a really vibrant um, healthcare IT scene here. Yeah, and you're right near Wisconsin too. If you need some help with that Epic stuff, right? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, Jeremy, thanks for, for joining the podcast. I really enjoyed talking to you, and, and best of luck with your company, and we'll be following it as you, as you get bigger. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. Enjoyed it. That is a wrap. Thank you, Jeremy Parati from Sansoro for joining us on the Breaking Health Podcast. Steve Krupa, another excellent job. Thank you for leading this conversation. Finally, thank you, Breaking Health Podcast listeners, for joining us. If you could uh, do us a favor, please give us a ranking on iTunes. Do shoot me an email. It's tom at healthogy.com. It's the word health, followed by the letters egy.com. Let me know how we're doing. Let me know who we should be talking to. Finally, tell your friends about the Breaking Health Podcast. The more people listening, the better. And, of course, on November 30th in Boston is the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit. Please do join us. Go to healthogy.com to register. This event does sell out. We'll probably do so again. I'm pretty confident. It's a great agenda. Our chairs, our co-chairs, Robert Mittendorf and Bill Geary are working hard at it. So uh, why don't you register now? Just uh, leave the stress. Go to healthogy.com and sign up for the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit so we can see you in Boston, my hometown. <laughs>